Welcome to Cutting Edge Web Content Development, the podcast where we delve into the world of CMS systems and their crucial role in website and web content development. In each episode, we'll explore the reasons why founders, CEOs, CTOs, and CMOs of web content development companies need CMS systems to thrive in the digital landscape. Get ready to uncover the secrets behind successful website management, content creation, and seamless user experiences. Here's your host, Jonathan Ames. Welcome to Cutting Edge Web Content Development, a podcast by Better CMS. Here we share insights on the intersection of content and web development and how you can align those two often competing forces to create efficiency and drive great business results. I'm your host, Jonathan Ames, guiding you on a journey through the tips, process improvements, and technologies that help marketers and developers harmonize their strengths into cutting-edge digital experiences. Joining me today is Sam Sayer. He's the founder and creative director at D-Type. With over 16 years of experience in the design industry, Sam's journey spans branding, motion, UX, and online projects. Welcome, Sam. How you doing? Good to see you, Jonathan. Now, you're going to correct me, because you, you already corrected me before. Instead of UX, CX is what we're looking at here. So maybe can you define the idea behind you know, CX and its importance in the digital world? This comes way back really to, you know, what is UX? And UX is not just in the digital world. It's not just apps and websites. It's the whole world, right? User experience. And I think one good link to this is I was at a coffee shop a couple of years ago. And I'm sure you've seen the thing. There's a handle, but it's pushed. So your first experience to get to a coffee shop is feeling like an idiot because you've pushed. Grab the handle and pull. Pull handle, you know, or whichever around. So right off the bat, awesome coffee shop. I love it. But just that one thing needs to be fixed and it makes people's experience all the better, right? So, and this is what we've come around to today. It's not just the usability of a site or like, it's all the touch points. It's the tone, it's the content. It's, it's, it's the, whether it's digital or not, it's the customer experience overall. I think that's a really, really important thing. Now, when you talked about the functionality there, that sounds like something that even the development side in a digital project should be caring about, not just the marketing side. Has that been your experience that developers seem to be more interested in UX and CX or less interested, or does it seem about the same? I'm seeing it more so now. It's the classic form and function, right? There's the classic idea that developers are function and designers are form, but actually there needs to be understanding and crossover of both worlds. Myself, I'm very much in the design camp. I dabble with code. I'm not clever enough. <laughs> and But it has to be that nice balance. Steve Jobs always was insistent that the inside of the computers were as beautiful as the outside. So, yeah, I think more than ever, while it's important to be specialist, I think you've got to have an understanding of both sides. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as your day-to-day work at D-Type, how does that involve this customer experience, user experience? So a lot of our focus is building the value. You know, we get a request to add a button somewhere on a page or something like that. But actually, we need to dial a bit further. What's the journey before that? Are they coming from an email? Is it coming from a LinkedIn post? What are the touch points to that point? Because actually what the clients may be asked for, they've got a need for it, obviously, but we want to go a little bit deeper and ask what's the need? How can we make it easier for the person to then interact with it? Do you think that there's something interesting to me is I'm newer in the journey of CX, UX. I probably started in that a few years ago only. So as I've seen that become a term that's more in use out there, there have been kind of new variations on it like EX, you know, employee experience, BX, brand experience. Do you feel like that kind of muddies the water or do you feel like that all is kind of connected and we need to 
think about that? I mean, without going to Elon Musk, you know, maybe it's just X. I always felt customer makes more sense, but then employee experience, of course, we're all people. You know, maybe it's PX, people experience, or just overall experience. I think there's a lot of frustration. We're in an ever more fast-paced world. We need instant replies, we'll jump on things quickly. You know, it's, the more barriers to that, the harder our lives become. So anything we could do to ease that journey is better, right? So how do you balance content and functionality in a digital project? This idea that both sides are going to have to work together to create a relevant experience. Good question. For me, it's always the end goal. What's the end goal? What do we want from the, again, transactions, maybe not a good word, but what does the journey from A to B need to look like? What are the fewest steps? What's the most intuitive approach to it as well? And again, this is where the experience comes in, you know, in terms of our experience doing this kind of thing, is looking at what's going to be a more powerful phrase to understand, you know, not just submit, you know, on a form. It's something like, send me this now, something a little bit more engaging. So it's kind of action points. And then equally with that, we like to have sort of micro interactions, so little animations, little buzzes. And I think social media was a great proponent of this, is little noises. You won't use noises, but little hover actions or a nice thing that's happened when you click something is always good. So it's always what's the purpose of it and how can we get it a frictionless journey? And just added to that as well, speed optimization is a number one thing. Well, it has been for a while now, but there's that balance now of making something that looks cool and feels nice. There's not going to be a big load on the server or the browser or, you know, client side, server side. So yeah, it's a constant balancing act. I think less is always more. That makes you think deeper about what's important. Especially at speed, the last few years, ever since Google started making page load times a part of SEO and search rankings, people have started paying more attention to page load times. That is something that's important. And it's interesting hearing that from as a major concern, both from a UX standpoint, where I've typically thought of it from a search ranking standpoint. So as far as how do you find that balance when you're looking for, hey, this could be really cool, this functionality, but it's going to increase our load time. Where do you say this is the, the line? I mean, video is always talked about people have a video on the site, but that comes at a cost, right? So I guess it, it's fighting the case. And again, what's important for the client? Is it the rankings? Is it the speed? Is it the beauty of it? I think people have different needs. It depends on their audience, right? And I think this is something we always talk about. Almost never mind what the client wants. What do their audience want? What are they expecting? Are they expecting something real whiz-bang and wow? In which case we can compromise on the optimization. Do they want quick results? Well, it's got to be fast. It's got to be optimized. So it's user avatars, right? That's the fundamental thing. And we do work with clients to understand those. A lot of people have heard of it, a lot of people haven't. So doing that piece of work is particularly important in taking the right notes from the account. That brings up a great topic, which is this idea of what does the user want in their experience? And you said, you know, that's something you try to determine with your clients. Can you map out like what that process is of figuring out and for maybe for one of your clients recently, how you figured out what the user wanted and then implemented that in your digital design? Profiling does get tricky. It depends on what the client's doing, right? What are they offering? If they are in real estate, if they're a letting agent, estate agent, where are they in the market? Are they bottom, middle, high, super high end? If they're super high end, people will probably want more of a concierge service than just, you know, they're going to have their people look for these things on the site. So actually, while they're the, the end client, they're not necessarily the people who get interrupted in the site. 
This was quite an interesting one, really. And we need to appeal to the end client, but actually there's going to be something a little bit in the middle. There's certain things we can look at in terms of market, sorry, sectors, shall I say, sectors that he's on start, but also in terms of what their services are within that. So not all real estate agents are built equal, shall we say. You know, they'll have different strands that they'll focus on. So we'll often dial right back to, okay, let's talk money, right? Because that's what it all comes down to. What brings you the most profit or what's your bread and butter? What's going to be your constant? Make sure we focus on those two avatars because they might have many avatars that we might work with many people. But actually, what's going to keep your bottom line going and what's going to be the profitable work? So we'll come back to there. I mean, you can have three, four, you have many customer avatars for a business, but focusing on those two, I think is really, really key because that's going to speak in the numbers, right? The user as well as maybe the end user. So there's people in there that have different roles. You see a lot of that in B2B. You know, you may have decision maker, you may have a champion out there and influencers along the way, all of which you have to message to and are going to have an experience with your brand typically through your digital materials, either something they download or your website. And so how do you create those personalized tracks for each of them that really give them the right experience and information they're looking for? So good point. Something that was interesting about when I was reading about your background that you'd actually written a book called, uh, am I pronouncing it right, Dury? Dury, yes. Dury, yeah. So it sounds very process-oriented. So what did you learn about process in doing that? The hard way, I'm a kind of head in the air creative really. But I've learned as a business owner, I've had to become more systems orientated. And a lot of it came down to goal setting. So the whole concept of the Dury is, is a diary for doing. So I wanted to be universal, that anyone could use it, you know, young, old, whatever, if you're doing yoga, if you're learning language, whatever it is. So it's about setting a goal, chipping away at it a little bit each day. And that's one thing I've really focused on in the last few years is don't look at the mountain, look at the steps. So, and break it off into milestones. So, yeah, the concept of there's two options. There's the 100-day or the 30-day. People want to get started with the 30-day. Do recap the first one. But it's also, it's a focal point. We're we're digital. We're paperless office. So why have I produced a paper book? Because actually there's a lot of research gone into writing by hand commits things to memory better. It's, I can't think of the phrase now, but it'll link it. There's the hand-eye coordination, which cements it into a habit-forming exercise. There we go. Check it out. <laughs> well, plus having something physical and tangible. I mean, I've been surprised. I was on this journey where I was trying to find a very simple kind of digital camera for my mother, who's old, doesn't like complex technology. And as I was doing a search for that, I found that coming back into vogue are these, you know, kind of Polaroid style instant cameras, which, you know, you actually get the picture, you know, right out of the camera. It's got a little printer in there. And I was like, why are we going back to that? And I think there's something to that tangible, to the something you can have in your hand, you can post it somewhere, something written. So yeah, sometimes for process, that will totem. That's a really good point. My son just turned 18 and I spent a lot of time trawling back through something like 20,000 photos on my phone. You know, how many photos? Because it's so easy to take a picture now. You just take them all the while and you don't actually, whereas if you're taking a photo that's got film, that's going to be developed and you're paying for that. I think you probably use it with more intent, right? Yes. I guess that's it. Polaroid, I'd like a Polaroid. <laughs> <laughs> they have a bunch of different ones now. This goes to the idea of you know process. And so if someone is looking, Sam, to start implementing what you're talking about here, to really put some intentional thought into the customer experience that the, someone gets on their website, whether they be a developer or whether they be a marketer, 
what would be kind of the steps? How would you lay out for them? Hey, do this, do that, you know, over this 30 days so that they might start trying to see some results, put it into place. How would you put it in those big chunks? I guess the simplest way is understanding what your goal is. What's the fundamental goal? And also where are people entering from? So, you know, marketing is a huge, huge space now. Will most people come from the same source or will they come from different sources? So understanding your source point and your endpoint are the key there. And then looking at how many steps are in between that. So I think you need something like seven or eight points in marketing to act on something. So where are they coming from when you're starting that journey? And also the people aren't always necessarily ready to buy straight away or they're intrigued or they're setting steps up there. So no, this is a good one. I've kind of lost my tangent a bit now. <laughs> well, this is interesting because a lot of people who are at the executive level, you know, expect marketers to produce results right away. They're like, well, hey, you sent out that email campaign or that ad. Where are all the leads or the sales? And it's interesting, you mentioned multiple touch points. Typically in forming an opinion about something and desiring to move forward and research it, there's multiple steps in there. And I think that's part of this idea of user experience is that it's not a one-step process. There's a journey. Exactly. And also, what are the look-back points as well? I think this is a really interesting one is how are you using automation? Are you using AI to help automate some parts of the journey? So if someone's not interacted with a certain thing, send them this again or someone on a different journey. So you can program all sorts of things into a marketing funnel. But it's focusing on those key points, right? What's going to be the real action point? We all look at something free and we can get like 20 emails and it comes overwhelming. For me, why not have five that are really compelling? And that comes down to, again, the customer experience. People have over, I certainly have an inbox overwhelm. So actually, what's going to stand out to you and how easy you make that journey? I don't want to read a long thing, a long email to figure out what's next, you know? I'm just going to bin it. <laughs> so really good point. Having something visually engaging, but I think, you know, copywriting is such a major factor in, the, in these kind of things as well. Getting the right tone, the right action words, that's as crucial as how beautiful and engaging the overall visual piece is as well. I think that overwhelmed sense that you feel in the inbox comes in a lot of different channels digitally now, simply because there is so much information and very few of these informational pieces that we get seem to feel connected. So you get a little bit here and a little bit there, but it doesn't feel like a journey. And sometimes that's one of the things I really appreciate about really good digital marketers who understand this user experience is they create an intentional journey. Here's a point, there's a point, and they bring you along. And there's always at the end of whatever point you're on, there's they're pointing towards what the next point is. They're like, hey, over there is going to be this next thing that you're going to do. Absolutely. The concept of series, do this bit first. You have to all at once. Do this bit first, and then we'll look at the next step. So I think, yeah, breaking down the journey is key. And I suppose, in a way, the journey shouldn't end. It should be either looping back to another point or expanding to the next path, right? Excellent. Let me ask you the next thing. When you're trying to manage your content creation, your web development tasks, what do you do to create order to that? We use Asana as our project planner. So that is super cool for tasking, deadlining. That's, you know, and deadlining is the key there, right? We did battle a while in terms of, is it one project with tasks and subtasks or is it actually separate projects that link together? I think breaking it into manageable tasks, but a task that will give a completeness to a certain part. Does that make sense? So 
what to deliver a piece? What can we show for the next stage of the journey is what I look at it more these days. And also, what are we trying to achieve from each point? Are we trying to hit one of our milestones or are we trying to hit a client milestone or, or, or something else? Good point. There's both your own milestones in the process that you're trying to get the person to accomplish. And they may have their own separate set of requirements and milestones that they're using. And if there's a way you can align those two, really important. I know when I first got into user experience, it was through reading uh, this book, Competing Against Luck, and just you know the idea of the jobs theory, you know, of why people do the things they do. And so if you understand why they're doing what they're doing, then you can create an experience that solves that, that best fits, you know, their process and they're looking to achieve. So, you know, as far as digital content goes, the why behind it seems super important. What is it? Why are they looking for this thing, you know, that I'm hopefully trying to sell or to give to them? I'm actually, I've almost finished writing my next blog article of why emotion is the key thing in marketing. Addressing frustration, addressing pain points, making people want to engage. People love what you do, you know? With, with a good brand, you get blind followers. They'll like anything they do because they're engaged, but they, you know, they've sold themselves the brand almost. So yeah, I think, again, this is where copy is really important. Are we saying the right things at the right time to the right people? That is think, paramount. You know, you think back to the ads of the 1950s, that was all about copy. And really, we've dressed it around that, right? But that's a really interesting one. People have got to be emotionally invested to buy. You know, they have a need. They need more business, they need more clients. They need to meet, reach a milestone in what they're doing. So who's going to who's make it easy for me? I think that's the, that's the key thing. So as far as making it easier, have you found that there are actually digital tools out there that your team uses that makes this process of creating user-centric content easier? Not tools as such. I think, again, it's just breaking down, you know, what's the purpose of this? What's the why? Are we making it fussy? Are we overcomplicating it? And I think being, being really rigid in your belief with that as well. You know, we've been asked to do this, but is that right? Have we questioned it? Have we told the client and they still want to go with that? You know, <laughs> and I think that there is a, a really good piece of content I saw the other day is the designers, we're, it's our responsibility to make it good to really stick to our guns. You know, people have come to us because they can't do it themselves, right? If you take your car to a garage, you know, I'm not there checking under the hood to see if they've done it how I'd want to do it. Or, but certainly in the creative world, everyone's got an opinion, right? And that's a really challenging thing, which we'll kind of always come up, come up against, no matter how many mood boards you do sometimes, no matter how many times you explain the story. And I think storytelling is a big part of this. Design is subjective. People have an irrational hatred of green or whatever it is and it's rationalizing those steps if you can rationalize it you've won there's no argument and that's something from my branding days is we do a 20 page presentation for for a logo concept the logo in the last page they already know what it's going to look like by the time you've revealed it because you justified the colors maybe the the story the feel the tone all of that's been rationalized. And I think that's a really, really powerful tool, actually. So if you can rationalize anything you've done, you're walking with it. If you can't, you've got to question your motives. And I think as designers, we inherently do things. We have a natural design on that. And I've got to then break it back. I'm going to deconstruct it myself and just check, well, I've done it because I've done it like this before. I've got the experience. But you know, you've always got to break it down. I think that's a really, really key part. 
I think one of the things that I've seen, especially in the CX world, that's pushed a lot to try to help create process to this journey is using these tools. And so a lot of the big vendors out there, you know, push these idea of the DXP. So this digital experience platform, you know, we work in the world of CMS, so it's very closely related there, you know, tools you use to create these experiences. Have you found that uh, either a DXP or CMS, these tools are able to help or make it more difficult to accomplish your processes as a user experience designer? They can be, yeah. I think people work a different way. Some people are very visual. Some people really need the detail. Not necessarily directly related to this point, but we use client portals for a web project. So that breaks down all the stages of the project. So here's your proposal. Here's a link to it. We need this. We need X, Y, and Z from you. We've got dates against it. So you can see at any point, we've got a tracker. You can see where we're at with the site. So any given point, the client could go into their portal, see what we've done, see what they're still needed of them as well. It's always a, it's a two-way street with any process. That's been really, really helpful to give one people one point of reference to look and say, yeah, go and check out your portal. We used to email, oh, I can't remember if I sent you this. Well, if it's not ticked off on the portal, we haven't got it. So that, I think that was really powerful. And I think, you know, giving people that kind of dashboard, that digital dashboard is, is really key. Don't make people ask for things. Show them it's there. It's a shared piece. Here we go. Here's everything for you to look at whenever you're ready to as well. And I think that's just a slightly different tangent in people don't work nine to five necessarily anymore. A busy business owner might be checking things at 9 p.m. Where about that project? All oh, right. I need, to email, I need to email someone or annoy someone with a WhatsApp. I can look at my portal and there's this snapshot, right? It's important. One of the things that we run into with presenting our particular product to people, which is uh, similar to kind of a portal for content as a CMS, is the user experience for the employees, so the EX, if you want to go there. So we talk about how having all of that stuff, like you said, that all the fields that you need, show them these are the ones your content team just knows. They put them in there and it gets done. And for the developers who are kind of building this, because as a headless CMS, you a developer, kind of put it into place and connect it with your front end, they get the control of saying, all right, I know a web page needs this field. You know, I want to maybe put in my SEO fields here, or I want to make sure that I ask the content creator, you know, what color do you want this particular page to be? Whatever those fields are, we just want to lay them out, and then we want to get rid of anything that's extraneous so that it doesn't become overwhelming. So you just have the things you need. And, and that sounds like what you're describing in your portal where you have just the things you need in there, anything that's obviously an unticked box that you need it, ticked, it's complete, really important for the experience of the user or the employee. You know what, just to loop back to my diary, the first edition was just basically a kind of workbook and you write what you've done each day and you, you summarize it. What I did for the second edition was have a tick box at the bottom. People love that. Ticked off that day, I've done it. I've completed that task. There's a certain satisfaction in ticking that box, right? You feel like now it's done and I can move forward to the next thing in my work. So in your career, have you found a particular resource like a book or a podcast has really been transformational, helpful to you in understanding user experience, understanding how to have a complete journey for a user? I think one is uh, Positioning for the Mind, which is an old advertising book, actually. I think first published in the 50s or 60s. And again, that, a lot of that is about the why and the emotional aspect to it, which is, I think as designers, you I said earlier, we kind of inherently do that. You know, you have an impulse to do it. You know it feels right. 
I don't break it down. So that was a key one. I think that just stands the test of time. You know, that's what, 60, 70 years old now. Still relevant as ever. No, there's some really good older books. I've really enjoyed one that was written in the 70s called uh, Spin Selling. And it kind of talked about this idea. They did research about why people in business-to-business experiences would buy and how the best selling was asking the right questions so you understood the customer could give them you know, something that fit what they needed. You know, book written in the 70s, still very relevant today. In fact, newer books like uh, Challenger Sale, The Jolt Effect, which just came out, all build on, you know, that work done by Neil Rackham in spin selling back in the 70s when they were using mainframe computers to do data analysis. But same psychology. I think that's what it ties into. The psychology of the human mind doesn't change as much. That could be really useful even years later. So if you were to equip somebody, a listener here with a one tactic to enhance their success in this user-focused content efforts, what would be that one thing that you could give them, a little tactic they could start doing? Do you know what? I think it's creating that desire and need is really, really key there. There's a great book by Daniel Priestley called Oversubscribed. And that is all about creating a kind of urgency and a need and you know, fear of missing out and kind of, I need this. You know, again, it's that emotional play. So break down what are your clients' pain points? What are their challenges? How are you making them easy for them? How are you adding value? I think those are the key things. How are you solving problems and how are you not only solving them, but you're adding value? I think those two are just fundamental to it all. Excellent. And if you could go back in time in a time machine and talk to yourself at the very beginning of your career, what advice would you give yourself? Wow. Which one? There's so many. Besides buy Apple stocks (laughs) or Bitcoin. I think while I talk about emotion a lot, don't get emotionally attached. You know, I'm a a very visual, creative person and I always get upset way back when I didn't like something until I learned to rationalize. And I think building your case for something is so, so important. But really, you know, again, that comes to empathy, listening to your customer. What do they want? How are you wrapping up into actually, I hear what you're saying and I know you want this, what your clients want. You know, how do you make it so that it's what everyone wants? I think that's the key. Our guest last week actually also spoke about empathy, and that was one thing he would have, you know, changed. I think that, uh, you know, understanding this idea of, you know, how can we get inside their mind? How can we, you know, make a, a change is something powerful. And, and like you said, sometimes early in my career, I thought I knew the solution. I, here it is. And then if people didn't, you know, the client didn't grab onto that, yeah, it was hard emotionally. And so being able to separate yourself from that's important. You know, Big empath, em- empathy and emotion are kind of separate things, right? It's, you know, empathy is understanding, relating, but don't get emotionally attached. <laughs> Absolutely. No, for me, that happened when I went into direct marketing. It's now it was like, all right, what do the numbers say? Did the numbers say the client liked this or the client didn't like this? And it was hard to argue with that. Once you brought that to your clients and you showed them, hey, the numbers say this version worked better. They're like, yeah, go do that. Whereas before they would have said, well, I want it 20% bigger or, you know, make it in red or whatever other advice they wanted to give. Now they're like, hey, if it works better, run with it. And so that's about listening. I learned that a lot with pay-per-click is, you know, I wasn't happy with something else, something, you know, I did, I wanted it like this. I'm like, okay, we'll change it. Two weeks later, I'll not change it back. You have to listen. You know what you're doing. I'm going to stop getting involved now, you know. (laughs) Good points. 
Well, Sam, thank you so much for your insights and stuff. If someone wants to get a hold of you or you know be able to see your work, where would they find that? Yeah, sure. Um, head over to the website, which is dtype.com. That's D-E-T-Y-P-E.com. Everything's on there uh, that you should need. Hopefully, we're actually going to be re- redesigning it very soon. Classic, like a builder's house. It's never finished, and you know it's a, it comes second play to our clients. That's where we're building loads and loads of content resources for clients and anyone really. We've got a real angle now, giving away as much as we can. You know, how can we help people? That's our angle: is helping people. Helping people worthy to get to go. What are the people that are clients that you seem to get the best results with? Is there a particular industry or size, location? We work really well with niche consultants because they're very good at what they do, but they'll not always be able to articulate visually or in a marketing sense what they do and how they help people. So there's one example of a, a consultant who works in the, across the Middle East, something for recruiting the Middle East market. They'll help you get there. So that's something super, super niche, not what not worked with before. But again, I'm really understanding what their needs are, the client's needs are. It's really helped with that project. So niche consultants and manufacturing and engineering, we like. I'm kind of a creative, but with an engineering angle as well. So I like to know how things work and why. That's interesting. Well, thank you so much, Sam Sawyer of D-Type. Really appreciate you coming on here and talking with us and sharing some of your insights on customer experience and kind of the processes of getting things done in that. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Cutting Edge Web Content Development is brought to you by Butter CMS. To find out how you can build better with Butter, stop wasting dev time, and free your marketers from your legacy CMS, visit buttercms.com. Also, make sure to search for Cutting Edge Web Content Development in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Butter CMS, thank you for listening.